0: Back. I might be in jail, I might be anywhere, but when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're gonna have to keep on saying that. You're gonna have to say that I am a proletarian. I am the people. I'm not the pig. You've got to make a distinction. And the people are going to have to attack the pig. The people are going to have to stand up against the pig. That's what the pastors are doing, that's what the pastors are doing all over the world. Another episode of Revolutionary Tracks, and this is a long time coming, because uh, the guest we have on tonight is, I think now, what I consider a long time friend? But, before we get into that, Karthik, my co-host, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing alright, how are you doing, Marcus?
0: I'm good, I'm also hearing an echo of me.
2: Is the echo coming from me?
0: It's, it's possible, possible. Yes, it is. Yes, it
2: is. Okay, let me try something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this on my computer instead of my phone to see do if you have, that like, works. you have like, you have like, headphones you or something? Headphones.
1: Not ones that connect to my phone. Here, give me one second. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm not sure you can do this from your computer yet, right? Because then we'd be able to do it. Uh. <laughs>
0: Which I, I've heard some people say that they've done it. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, we should give
1: that a shot. We have, like, I mean, we have all this equipment and stuff like that. So I feel like we should be able to. Yeah. Should give uh, this a crack.
0: I mean, if anything, I think maybe we can just try and, and have good uh, mute discipline. Hmm. Um. I don't know if. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I can maybe it. Um,
0: but either way, um,. Ben actually asked in the chat if I'm excited. And I am excited um, because I think this is something that it's kind of like like pretty important um, to try and, you know, I guess like the left, right, the United States is in a, a building phase, you know, I think to say the least. Um, but then uh, there's a lot of critiques, you know, there's a lot of, hey, we want to be this and that. Um, but there's not a, like a lot of the how-to's. Um, so I'm very excited to talk with Ben, uh, because the kind of an, a collective of, you know, artists that she was able to, I think, organize I, from what I can tell, very, very much putting in a lot of the groundwork, um, to organize a group of artists to create, um, to distribute their art in a way that is shared amongst all of them, um, and, being able to do these things being able to construct organizations that you know just do good and you know and with also to the understanding that like we do need to be able to make money and pay rent and eat but are we able to start separating ourselves culturally from capitalism um that will help enrich the separation of society from capitalism as a whole but you know that secondary part's a little bit more in depth (laughs) we've got ben to talk about that first part um so ben uh if uh i mean also too i should mention uh part twitch partner um contributor on tyt uh writer and um uh also i mean like you started the uh, people's herald uh, which is a, uh, a, a online news publication which pretty much anyone can contribute to. So thank you for coming, Ben. But i have also if you can kind of just start off with kind of describing shared records um, and 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 what it is. And I did play a little bit of your music to begin with. Um, so yeah, welcome in. Thank you, and uh, take it away. Yeah, the vision of shared
2: records is I'm pretty simple in my view, which is really just the idea that like, um. I mean, success in music is really random, right? Success in music is really random, and not only is success in music really random, but there's also a lot of people that are involved in like making music, and so the whole vision of Shared Records is basically for artists to work together. Um,
1: and just, just one sec, I don't know if I'm the only one who's hearing this, but is your is uh, Ben's voice clipping in on your end yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah it is like totally a little bit, mind. right?
2: I'm clipping in and out. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sorry about that. But uh is it I don't know if are you using the computer app?
2: I'm trying to use the computer, yeah. It might have changed the volume. No.
1: No, I think the volume and all is great. Maybe it's a, it's a little high, but like uh, I feel like the real problem is that the the audio is going in and out.
2: Really? Um I don't really know how to fix that. I mean, I could try just switching to my phone. Oh wait.
0: It seems like um, it's going good now. Okay, just go back to talking about Shade Records.
2: Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that, like, I've been a mess with the tech
1: stuff in the beginning. I know it's,
2: it's, it can get pretty rough. Uh,
1: um, it's actually, it, it sounds pretty good now. You can go ahead. Yeah.
2: Okay, okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, basically, like like, success is really random, right? Success is really, really random when it comes to um music and the whole vision basically was to have a space for people who might not necessarily have the firm belief that they like want to monetize like every song that they do who think that they might not be like the you know this isn't going to be necessarily like the number one record on the charts but like that's kind of like the whole point right because those are like very very produced There's a sort of narrow scope for what is sort of allowed to succeed on the radio and stuff like that. And so the hope with shared records was really to create music for people who just enjoy creating music and want to put it out there um, and, and really want to put their music out there without having like the profit incentive is like their primary goal for putting out music, which means that like the music we put out is creative commons so that Other people can, like, listen to the music and things like that. Now, like, obviously, like, we monetize it through a Patreon and, like, YouTube ads and things like that. Um, But it's not necessarily, like, the, like, aggressive monetization of, like, pushing things out everywhere. And another big part of Shared Records is that both the creators of the music and the people who are responsible for, like, building and maintaining the platforms... um, really all share in the profits equally, regardless of the success, regardless of the success of, uh, any one individual song with a sort of even sharing of profits. It allows people to really be like flexible in the work that they do. And while they might make like some individual songs that are like really great and like do really, really well. It also allows people to create songs that like might just be more personal or more fun. Um, that aren't just like, you know, how do I make the standard sort of like four chord song to like top the charts? And all done in a space where like collaboration is incentivized and cooperation is incentivized all with the hope of really just creating a positive environment where people feel comfortable creating music that uh, reflects them, uh, you know? And and that's, I guess really, (laughs) that I guess is really the hope with like the larger sort of goal of fueling into other things right like fueling into other things um, that can also help like make a difference because you know really the way i view shared records is sort of part of a larger project of hoping to um introduce like sort of similar business models and more like cooperative uh like more cooperative type like emperor enterprises and stuff like that so that people can really feel like they have a controlling part over the economy, right? Within like the spaces that they, they work and live in. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, And I think that like uh, your, your uh, initiative comes um, at a time when like uh, music and art is extremely proprietary. I mean, like we are living through the era of like crypto and stuff like that, where uh, art is like increasingly becoming more proprietary um, it is really more important. The, the ownership of art is really more important and stuff like that. Um, before we get into the, the current landscape, can you give a little bit of a background on where you got your inspiration from? And uh, can you think of anything else that has existed in the past that could remotely resemble what you're trying to do? Um.
2: Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, I don't know. And like, this is, I guess, this is me being a little bit of a bad person because I should keep track of like where I get ideas more. But I kind of steal ideas from all over the place. (laughs) I'm a very well-known stealer of ideas. I like listening to smart people and then trying to do things uh, that sort of, you know, are modeled after that. And so, like, ultimately, I guess I've just seen, like, a lot of cooperatives out in the world. I've also seen a lot of, like, independent artists, like, trying to, like, make their own way. Um, And I guess I kind of realized, like, well... I feel like with an industry like this, where there's a chance that one person makes it really, really big, um, whereas most people will just do maybe sort of okay, I think that's exactly the type of business that you want to have as like a cooperative. Because if you're part of a team and you're all working together and sharing inspiration, which we all are, right? Like Even like the big name artists, they're sampling each other. They're listening to each other's musics. They're uh, you know they're getting inspiration from each other. Except, you know, usually the few breakout stars are the ones that get all the credit for it. When in reality, when it comes to music and culture, we all share responsibility for creating it and influence, and we should all share the profits that come from it. So, when you have an industry where one person can potentially make it really, really big, and everybody else will kind of do okay, even though they all play a significant role in influencing each other and creating this sort of cultural environment. Um, That just seems like the perfect type of industry to sort of like, I guess, hedge the bet uh, when it comes to the capitalism side of things so that the more musical side of things can flourish a lot more efficiently. And in a way that people have more direct control over,
0: you know? Yeah. That's actually like really kind of ties into like a lot of different, like a lot of the conversations that we have, Um, but, uh, specifically one reason with, uh, America Gazaway, who, um, is, you know, very (laughs) poignant about his attack and critique of the copywriting, um, and especially when it comes to hip hop. But, like, you know, you, like you said, there's no, no one, like, exists in a vacuum. You know, the greatest, like, musicians, like, whoever you think are the greatest musicians and artists and whatever they didn't go their whole lives, not listening to any music whatsoever. And then they just woke up one day and said, I want to make this right. That's, that would be impossible. That'd be ridiculous. So every, you know, but like it's at somewhere it's like, Oh, once you release this for consumption, then it can only be used if you, you know, only for be used for that. Um, and it really is at this point now is like especially when hip hop is stifling. One of the things that helps make it its own, you know, genre of music. Uh, but in the large scale, it it really doesn't it doesn't fit with the way life is, where people hear music and inspired are inspired by it. And the thing too is like people are inspired by just sounds that they hear throughout their lives. You know, the conversations they have, the relationships, you know, it's it's everything. Um, And so, like, yeah, the more I think about it, the more it's like, no, that that doesn't make any sense. Like, even, like, like the way, like, these labels work, it doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, just look at the big economic injustices uh, when it comes to the music industry over the past hundred years. And it becomes, like, super obvious because, like... I mean, literally, Elvis Presley was one of the biggest names, like, in America, right? One of the biggest names in America. And he pretty much stole all of his music from Black artists of the day, right? Uh, If the entire music industry were operating something like what Shared Records is doing now, um, the racism that exists within the population of the America in terms of the consumption of media... um, At at least the minimum, the economic impact, right? The economic impact and imbalance that comes from the Black artists that originally created that music versus people like Elvis Presley, who like single-handedly like profited off of it, got most of the profits off of it, not to mention like obviously the record labels. Um you know like there's just like that extreme economic imbalance and i think most artists in america if you look at the most popular genres in the united states i mean like pop music really is sort of the brainchild today of for the most part like disco music and disco music had a lot of like both black influences from, uh, from the united states but also a lot of like influences from south and central america right is is where a lot of disco came from and so do we see a bunch of like You know, like, uh, (laughs) do we see a bunch of pop stars from Latin America in the United States today? Not really a ton, no. Um, And we also don't...
1: Not unless you're from Miami and uh, you're Cuban. (laughs) That's that's usually the...
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, like, so these are the things where, like, there's just this extreme economic imbalance where, like, you basically have white creators that are, like, in essence, like, stealing the stealing the culture and the reason why it is a theft and not just a cultural exchange because cultural exchange is great it's a fantastic thing when we can learn from each other's experiences it becomes theft though when you don't give any credit to the other people who actually created uh like the art that you're stealing and you don't give them any economic rewards, right, where you reap all of the benefits of, like, the work that they've put into it. And that's not necessarily to propagate, like, the mindset of everything should be copyrighted and patented, but also, like, our approach to, like, the cultural industries is, I think, that they should all be shared, that it should all be recognized as a shared labor that we all participate in.
0: Um, And, yeah. Well, if you can... I guess like, even like, expand on that, because like when you talk about the shared labor, like of culture, because not that's just not just about music, um, right? You know, like there's also you know, like and like, the thing that I think what's great about shared records, and maybe we can get into like you know, like about both a little bit later, um, is that this is kind of something that can be replicated or, or get across some different mediums because uh, <laughs> basically because like some you know internet and technologies uh, make it a lot easier. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, as far as like the work of culture, you know, can you guys expand on what you mean? Uh, by that as like being a shared labor.
2: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's super obvious in like the modern age, right? It's super obvious today to see like the shared effort that goes into culture. Like, so a perfect example, is, like YouTube, right? Like there, anybody can upload a video to YouTube. And because of that, the entire platform has basically grown around the concept that we all create our own culture. We create our own media. Um, you know, we create the cultural influences that are around us. There's also things like obviously Wikipedia and stuff like that. The problem is, is that the revenue model for all of these things isn't built around actually sharing the, the profits that goes into that creation. So like a perfect example of like an industry where I think an approach like shared records would work really well is actually the tech industry. I mean, there are a lot of computer programmers out there that are really, really good at what they do but they spend all of their time making money for some giant company that will use algorithms that they create to influence the culture for everybody. It's basically giving like a dictatorial power to a CEO to algorithmically feed you their sort of uh, cultivated version of American culture, their cultivated version of, of these cultural influences um, in a way that's very opaque to the public. Right. But if you flip that model on its head and you make it something where the, the actual workers actual programmers are the ones that are working for themselves any individual success of different platforms that they create um, is shared among everybody and then everybody can you know obviously have input as to how these things operate in the long term and any new programmer can jump in and offer their ideas well then all of a sudden it becomes this collaborative environment where you know, democracy is centered as opposed to just, you know, one executive telling a bunch of computer programmers, you know, basically what to do. And then, you know, putting out like algorithms and things like that, that feed us content, which, you know, ultimately is just based off of what their advertisers want, which once again uh, ends up being a lot of the same folks that dictate the way television and music and movies all go, right. It's the same advertisers at the end of the day. which obviously narrows the scope of our culture, right? And so, like, when it comes to all of us creating the culture, like, it, it, it's, it's, I think, one of the big things that capitalists today are afraid of, actually, is one of the reasons why uh, I think you've seen a lot of writers, even for, like, liberal outlets, like the New York Times and the Washington Post, sort of screaming at the quote-unquote woke mob that is Twitter, when the reality is Twitter is a space that is largely created by us. Now the profits go to obviously Twitter. They don't go to us, but ultimately, ultimately, uh, these people get absolutely furious at the notion that their narrow view of the world that comes from largely predominantly already wealthy people, uh, that get a lot of these journalism jobs, like within the New York times and Washington Post, that are already sort of in that Washington DC circuit. um, you know, they get really outraged at the idea that we all have influence over the culture, that we all have influence over society. And so, you know, they'll get really salty when like disability rights advocates, for example, um, can actually, you know, go to Lizzo uh, over Twitter and be like, hey, I don't like that you use this word. And now most of them, most of these people don't respond like Lizzo did. Lizzo was like, oh, snap, I didn't know. Uh, let's change the lyric so that it isn't is offensive to, you know, this group of people. Um, m- but most of them start crying instead about like, oh, the evil woke mob. Um, because now more than ever, culture is more participatory and we're all invited a little bit more into creating it. Or at very least the illusion that we don't have control over the culture, that we don't have a shared um, ability to create culture. The The illusion has sort of been shattered by the Internet, I think
1: yeah that's like pretty uh, I think what a, a very astute uh, observation which I feel like uh, a very important point that you're touching on, uh, which is that um, the previous and we actually had this conversation uh, a little while earlier uh, with uh, Jake Flores uh, when we spoke about how largely whatever we perceive as popular culture or culture in general, is essentially a phenomenon that is being created by a group of friends practically like it's all a group of people who are doing business with each other and they're making a lot of cash out of our audience right and uh, what you're pointing at is like basically in the past few years because uh, in the past decade or so because we have uh, the internet and everybody has access to a phone and like everybody's able to log in say what they think um, the audience has become more participatory in in the creation and the regulation of culture i don't know how much in the creation but definitely some amount of a say in what uh, culture should be etc cetera, et cetera. and uh, given that like especially uh, because shared records is a co-op um, how do you see your engagement with the audience as being a different way of engaging with the audience compared to uh, you know, standard culture. I mean, like in this, I, I, I guess like it would be worthwhile talking about not just the work, um, the, the people who decry the work mob, but also just the role that the audience plays, which is like we're, we're basically thrown uh, a bone, right? Like as far as culture is concerned. But like, how do you envision a, uh, a sort of revolutionary culture for the lack of a better term, where um, the audience is kind of kept in mind and, and is in and is part of the process and it's like it's it's a stakeholder uh, in the creation of and distribution of art uh, rather than someone who's like just passively taking whatever uh, you know a, a group of business people are giving them
2: yeah i mean okay so first i just want to touch on a technicality right it's it's not a it, it would be incorrect to say that shared records is a co-op but it is run like a co-op um just for like i Gun, mean yeah like a lot of bureaucratic, a lot of bureaucratic reasons, but I just want to get the t- technicality um, aside because um, the really right at now at this point we're basically inviting most of our audience, right? Because right now the biggest audience that we have are basically content creators who I think are adding value to our music by using it as like background music for their videos, using it as background music for the streams that they do. Where, you know, like, you know, we provide like, you know, hopefully a certain degree of ambiance to, uh, to like the, you know, experience that people are having on other platforms, right? So there's this big invitation to be transformative. There's also an invitation to be transformative in terms of like, if people, because there are a lot of people, like a huge amount of people love making music, right? A huge amount of people love making music. Most people make music don't necessarily want to profit off of it, right? Don't necessarily want to like, you know, turn it into their job. But at the same time, if given the opportunity, I think most people um, would like to make a song, right? Would like to make a song. And so one invitation that we have is for people who are interested in making music to participate and consider like, consider sending in a song or consider joining the discord and chatting with artists to like get involved in the music creation process, right? um to like it's it's been on a pause since i've been you know i got married and that took a lot of time uh but uh we're gonna be starting it up again where we do these like studio hours basically in our discord and uh invite people to be a part of it and to listen in while we make music and offer tips and ideas so it's really just this active invitation to be participatory and to consider making music of your own and to take the music and do whatever you want with it, which is, you know, like I think adding a whole nother transformative layer. So that really is like, that is like, I think really the big thing that we're like pushing is basically to try to, I think really invite, um, invite more like opportunity for like input and things like that when it comes to like, making the music and, and putting it out there. And, um, I think that, you know, it's all mostly instrumentals right now because I think <laughs> the crew of artists that we have, you know, aren't big singers, right? A lot of people aren't. Um, but I can imagine people taking some of the music that we have and like putting lyrics to it, right. And, and putting lyrics to it. And then, um being able to sort of submit that as their own song because we have pretty loose rules for what counts as like transformative and what counts as a new submission so if somebody did decide to like put lyrics to one of our songs uh record it and then and then send it in um that's one of those things that we'd be like oh yeah this is a brand new song you've transformed this into an entirely new song um because we really just want to give credit where credit credit is due. And we're always looking to lean on the side of giving people credit for really being transformative in the work that they're doing.
1: So, uh, I, the immediate question that comes into mind and like, that's something that you briefly touched on a little earlier, which is that, uh, someone who loves making music doesn't necessarily want to make want to profit off of it. But like one kind of like conception about, uh, capitalism or at least like capitalist, uh, societies, uh, like essentially artistry in a capitalist society, uh, is that like artists really like becoming famous and like, they love the spotlight and the limelight and everything. Um, more than even the big bucks, like a lot of artists don't even, I mean, like I know it's a big thing in, uh, hip hop music where, uh, the artists flaunts their wealth. Uh, but I think that like, um, at least in the, in the conventional narrative, uh, old school hollywood narrative it's that like artists love the the glamour and the the spotlight the glamour of being under the spotlight so how uh, does a shared distribution system and uh, you know where an individual artist is never going to spike at the level that uh, they might at the you know um, in in the capitalist scheme of things uh what's the I guess, like, the devil's advocate question would be, what's the incentive for an artist to participate within this framework?
2: Um, Well, I guess there's two layers to that. The first layer is that, like, theoretically, one person could get a lot of fame and attention, even though they wouldn't necessarily get, like, a huge cut of the profits. I would also say that the mindset that people are just attention seekers when they work in the arts, I think is kind of... um, like a survivorship bias, if that makes sense, right? The people who are most likely to get famous are the people who want to become famous, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the Kardashians didn't get famous because they were so humble, Uh, you know? <laughs> like, they got famous because they did things that were intentionally inflammatory in different ways and that were like very much like over the top in different ways. Uh, with the aim of getting famous, right? And so this is, I think, provides a more stable space for people who aren't necessarily banking on, like, you know, meteoric fame. But also at the same time, I think, like, if we're talking economic incentives, it's nice, I think, to have that sort of shared insurance pool of, like, if somebody does get famous, then we all get to profit from it. Um, Which means that, you know, if you're working with somebody and their song really explodes, you can be very, very happy for them and not have to worry about like um, being pushed aside because everybody's sort of on the same team. So when one person's winning, everybody is winning, and uh, that's you know the worst case scenario is everybody's everybody puts out mediocre like mediocre work. Nobody gets famous, but we all have a good time and create art that we like. So that's that being the worst case scenario. I think, uh, I think the economic math is, is there too.
0: Yeah. I, and that's something like, uh, it's basically, or, you know, uh, it, it, I feel like, yeah, it, especially too, I mean, like growing up and, you know, like I was lucky enough to like, have like have, you know, like some music classes and band and all this type of shit where you get exposed to a lot of different, like just even types of music to begin with. Um, but it was kind of something that like most people did in one way or another, you know, kind of do is like you're there like a band or choir or whatever the hell. But that it transforms like so many other things, you know, throughout life where it is just solely about how do you transform it in this into making money? And so, hey, if you can no longer make money off of, you know, or if you can't, can't, if you're not good enough to make money off of doing X, Y, and Z, then you shouldn't do it at all. You know, and, like, that's something, too. Like, I mean, like, I remember growing up and, like, my kid – or my dad played soccer in, like, an old man league. And, like, that no one came to watch except the families, you know. There was no money in it. They had to pay to play into this league, you know. And, like, you know, maybe COVID has something to do with, like, ruining a lot of this shit. But, like, doing something just because you enjoy doing it um, is, you know, is one part of it, the aspect of it. And then when it comes to music, like – we all can you know we all we all can do this it's not actually you know that you know you like if you practice if you spend some time everybody can do something right especially with regards to making music and especially when it comes to online stuff it's like you can produce help produce you know and help you know you know a whole lot of different ways um but it, 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 it's gone away from seeing as like this is just something everybody does you know, to hey, if you're not you know you always a joke, oh who who sings this song? you know, we'll let him sing it, but it's like no, it's a recording we can you can listen to the recording whenever, let me sing, you know, like that's why we're listening to the song, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, and I think like, okay, you just reminded me of like a of like a theory that I have i haven't I haven't said this anywhere else yet, because it'm it's still like boiling in my brain, but like. I feel like a lot of people fail to recognize how much like how much capitalism has destroyed our culture, right? And destroyed even the idea of culture, right? Because I mean, if you even go back like 200 years ago, it was kind of expected that everybody had a folk story that they knew off the top of their head. Everybody had a folk song that they knew, right? And every all over the world, like these folk songs just sort of existed. Um in fact, like I don't want to get into like the history of country music, but like country music sort of came into existence because like some random guy with a microphone went to the middle of the Appalachia Mountains and was like, "Hey, sing your folk songs for me um but like you know that was kind of the expectation two hundred years ago, everybody like had enough free time to like participate in culture right in culture in one way shape or form and that's kind of like gone that's kind of gone so like the theory that I have basically is the the stereotype of specifically white Americans not being able to dance I think is the very much direct result of the fact that capitalism has not only taken time away from people but also actively stripped away and commodified our culture to the point where, like basic cultural institutions like you know you know like learning a traditional dance with your family or something is just like completely just an out there idea um so those are the types of like like that but it, it's the same thing with music it's the same thing with music right where like good or bad everybody like kind of knew some music and had some role in like creating music with their friends family neighbors etc um and that's just kind of gone and there is this mentality now of like if you can't make money doing it it's not worth doing and so a lot of people who have this instinct right because i think as human beings we all have a natural sort of artistic instinct whatever our art may be um you know kind of gets squished kind of gets squished by the fact that you know, most people just can't make it in our current industry of music. And it's not a statement about people's inability to make good music. I think it's a more of a statement of our system having a narrow, uh, a narrow view of what music is profitable and restricting other people's ability to put their music out there, really.
1: You know, uh, this is like kind of bringing up something uh, that I've like, thought of for a while, which is like asking the fundamental question of what is the incentive for a, I mean, like people complain about what's on the radio, like a lot. Um, but most people that I encountered in real life, this is just like basically anecdotal. I can't have a lot of evidence to back this up. But like oftentimes I hear this thing where uh, not a lot of people are happy with what they're hearing on the radio. It's just something that they're making do with, et cetera um and if anything i i find the, the the reason why people listen to uh anything that's uh either a top 40 hit or something that's on the radio is because it is presented to them as this is cool right it's aspirational it's something that um if they even if they might never want to achieve anything like that uh it's supposed to be something that is shiny and it's like it's something that uh that is like the the definition of making it. Even the artist uh, becoming successful is uh, seen as like a, a making it right. Uh, which kind of like brings us to the question of like, how would you and, and this seems to be the logic through which the audience is cultivated in the first place, because uh, the audience that listens to popular music or, or engages with popular culture is in a kind of way doing it from a from a point of view of FOMO, where if you're not engaging with it, then you're kind of like missing out. Um, Etc. And given that, like, I'm I'm always like thinking thinking along the lines of, well, how would you? What would be the incentive for uh, an a member of the audience to tune into art that is collectively produced, that is uh, produced through a co-op or produced uh, without a profit motive, where uh, there's there's never going to be uh, there could be an ex, ex, an obscenely famous person, but there's never going to be like a a, an, a very shiny uh, object like, uh, a Coachella performer typically is, uh, what would be the kind of incentive structure for an audience to tune into something like that? Uh, as opposed to, you know, looking at a pop star and going, damn, I wish my life was like that, you know?
2: Yeah. I think a lot of it goes to like, I mean, a couple of different things, but like, People seeing themselves represented in music, but also seeing their communities represented in music. I mean, like, you know, if you lived in like, if you've ever lived in a small town, right? Or even like a normal, like, like a mid-sized town, right? I can pretty much guarantee you that at one point in your life, you've heard from somebody else that lived there oh did you know so and so was from here right did you know so and so was from here right like i mean i live in minneapolis right so everybody talks about prince all the time people talk about prince like my you know <laughs> uh, my my mom actually met what's prince wrong with talking about on prince on two separate occasions no there's nothing wrong with it it's good it's good like so this is to be clear right my mom met prince on two separate occasions and maybe got kicked out of a bar because she said something about him being short. (laughs) (laughs) um, But like those types of stories, those like community connections uh, to people who create music um, is I think a big incentive for people to, to like tune in and be excited about a song because they can see like their, they can see their own culture because a lot of Americans feel alienated from American culture, right? They feel like it doesn't really belong to them. And I think to a certain extent, when you're talking about like American culture as is presented on television and the radio, I I think that's largely true. It is sort of disconnected from them as individuals. And so like having uh, like, like art, right. Art from like uh, our culture um, really be more representative of like the people that like are part of the communities that we live in, I think uh, are incredibly meaningful to people. Like a perfect example is like, you know, right now trans artists are just starting to break into like music, right? Are like just starting to break into music. Um, And even then you still see the old heads profiting from it. So for example, I believe, so Kim Petrus, trans woman, very, very fantastic music. I love her music, it's amazing but also I'm pretty sure that her producer is Dr. Luke and Dr. Luke is problematic to say the least. Right. So we've kind of got the same old heads that are working. as like the producers through these like giant record labels, uh, for like these artists who are like, you know, it's cool that she's representing the trans community. Uh, Dr. Luke's not great, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like,
0: uh... well, that's I mean, and this is something I like where like you just have to ask, like, what does what does representation mean in these systems that consistently use representation? And this is basically what, you know, kind of you're laying out, use representation to ignore systemic oppression and yeah. just or just individual crimes, you know? Like it it it's a kind of, kind of consistent thing over and over again. And I mean like right now I've got steered into my brain, uh, you know, like this like Joe Biden standing, you know, at the podium and the banner is like this there's like pride flags like all around and you know, but our our country what our country reflects is hundreds of bills in dozens of states that are attacking the LGBTQ community and it that's that's America, you know, but there's representation, you know Pete booty judge is the, is the transportation secretary, you know you're welcome, here's your representation, everything's fine, but it's like in you know for for the black community, you know like Barack Obama was the president, what did that do? What does that do? What does just representation do, and it's nice, it can shift some minds. But at the end of the day, it, it it ends up just being one of the vehicles, in which case crimes and oppression is continued.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's really like like that's the hope with like democratizing. Right. Having democratic spaces within like the art economy, I think, is super, super important because really, I think art rests I don't want to sound a little bit cliche, but art rests kind of at the foundation of a society, right? Um, It has a huge influence over people's assumptions about the world. It has a huge influence over the way people see the world and interact with the world. Um, And it has, I think, really meaningful impact on people's lives when it's used right. Unfortunately, art in the United States is mostly used to fe- make people feel inadequate, right? That's like, you know, like the some of the best artists, I would say, of our generation are, are, are busy, like, photoshopping, like, billboards and, uh, like, like, you know, like, like, billboards and, like, writing lyrics and songs to sell particular brands, right? Like, they're, they're going out of their way to, like, make people feel like they're inadequate, that they need to... You know, they need to take, you know, their date out to Red Lobster or they need to, uh, um, you know, they need to buy like this perfect like perfume or alcohol in order to be cool. Um, Or, you know, they need like this type of like uh, plastic surgery or something like that to, you know, look like, you know, such and such celebrity. And um you know, it's, and and it's not great, right? When people, that's when that's people's interaction with art is basically telling them that they're inadequate. And, you know, like that is what happens when you have a profit incentive at the heart of the production of the culture is like the cultural norms are built around the interests of advertisers. And like, I don't know if that joke about Red Lobster landed. I don't know, like, that was like, like, four years ago, that song came out. (laughs)
1: Wait, what song was that?
2: It was some sort of song. I forgot who it was, but it was this really big, like, it was this, like, really big name. I think it might have been, like, a Beyonce album where she said something about going on a date to Red Lobster. And then everybody made fun of her because they were like, oh, uh, Red Lobster's not very fancy. And it was, like, a whole thing.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, but, like, uh, I guess, like, that that kind of, like, basically brings us to the uh, brings us to the question of, like, essentially... um I kind of wanted to actually talk to talk about your own engagement with the music as well. Like, and I I kind of want you to speak to um, making music as an artist, as much as like, you know, you are, uh, I guess like for the lack of a better word, kind of an exec uh, or founder of shared records, but also as an artist participating in it, uh, what what are your thoughts on basically making music? Uh, How do you feel about your own creative process and like, uh, what, how you want to, where you want to take it? What do you want to do with it? Um, and what you'd like to see happen, uh, with other artists in the, in the same way.
2: Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, when it comes to like the stuff that I've done, like music that I've done, I'll be honest and say that like, I'm not the world's greatest like musician and I'm definitely not like the world's greatest producer by any measure. Um, but I really love doing it and making well, some congratulations, songs. congratulations,
0: because you're on the world's greatest podcast. Oh,
2: my God. <laughs> of
0: course, right?
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, uh, well, no, but, but like, it's it can be very, very cathartic for me. And there's a couple songs that I've written for, like, very specific reasons. Um, like, when my brother died, there was, like, two different songs that I sort of wrote um, when I was, like, processing all that. Um... And they like, they mean a lot to me. Are they the world's greatest song? No, but they mean a lot to me. And uh, like some of the people who like, uh, you know, who are like some of the active participants within shared records actually helped me with it. And so um, that's one of those things, like they put a lot of work into helping me with it. And so um, like, even just that is just incredibly meaningful to me to have that kind of like support from a team while I'm creating music that matters to me that they would like, Come in and help, and I guess like in the future, I'd really love to be able to like emulate other styles of music that sounds like a little bit less sort of royalty free <laughs> than the music that that I make. Um, but uh, like, so so that really is like my hope is to just learn styles of music that I really like and and like hopefully get inspiration from like a lot of the work that's already out there in different domains because. Um, it's just nice to like create something where you're like, I want to create this feeling, right? I want to create this feeling and then successfully do so. Right. I've done that a couple of times with some songs. Um, and it just feels nice. It just feels really nice to go out to try and create a feeling and then to successfully do that with a song. And then hopefully other people can get that same feeling, whether or not it's like a feeling of empowerment or just, you know, like, you know, nostalgic, sad, happy, whatever.
0: Well, I, I think this might be a perfect time to play another one of your tracks to see, you know, what the what the vibe is. I go first, if that's okay. But yeah. I see like a neon butterfly, like in Jordans and like some big headphones, just like vibing out, you know, just like vibing out on the train or something. It's a very upbeat, electric, obviously, you know, um, but it's a moving, you know, type of sound. And I don't know. That's what I I, I get that feeling out of it and I don't know if that's what they are kind of like projecting through it but that's that's kind of the vibe that I get out of it
2: yeah yeah most definitely I mean Karth like I don't want to like pollute your mind with my thoughts before I like uh before we get your word on it
1: (laughs) oh no no I I I just wanted you to share I, I get the feeling that like you know it it really reminds me a lot of like anime music I don't know if this is like being too um trivializing it i i think it's the other way around because i feel like um it's it's very like futuristic um it is dreamy and uh i can i can like think of you know a lot of present present day artists like actually singing to it i, I, I more hear singing than i hear like rap for sure so if you're like making this as a beat i feel like you uh probably would need to get like a singing artist on it, but yeah that's my like initial thoughts what do you what, what do you what do you have to say
2: yeah, I mean when I created this my one of my hopes was to get something that was like happy but like a little bit nostalgic, right where it was kind of like just like where you're kind of vibing, but there's like a little element of nostalgia to it, so it's like when you sit down and play a Nintendo and you're having a really good time playing Nintendo. And so you're happy in the moment right now, but you're also thinking about like when you were a kid playing the Nintendo. Right. And so that's, I, I really love music that has almost a little bit of a video game element to it. Um, that feels kind of like the, like Nintendo music a little bit because Like, to me, that's something that's very nostalgic. Some of my favorite memories as a kid growing up were uh, just the times that I would play video games with my brothers. Um, You know, like, uh, there was Nintendo at my grandma's house and we would all have a fun time and we'd eat candy out of the candy drawer and, like, play Mario and stuff. And so, like, my hope is, like, it was just kind of to elicit that feeling where it's joyful, but there's that little just sort of hint of, like, Nostalgia.
0: And uh, to say that, um, as you were talking about that, I started having those, like, same feelings. Um, or at least, like, those kind of, like, those memories come back. Um, and I'll say this outright. If anyone wants to come get absolutely worked on Mario Kart 64, it's it's guaranteed over. I cannot be beat. Um, but that's something that, like, my my skills were honed with playing with my older brother, you know. <laughs> after we got out of school, you know, and like that was like the babysitter for a lot of, a lot of my, my life. God. My God. Um, but I do I do kind of want to talk about the nuts and bolts of this, you know, and like as we're talking about something that is very creative, and like you said, you know, um, it, 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 I think it varies. Is it, it's something that is very basic to you know human beings of like this type of creation um, which can 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 look a lot of different ways you know from music to architecture you know um, but can you talk a, a little bit about how this is actually built you know because we've talked a little bit about the the mechanisms or you, you know you mentioned the mechanisms that that um, foster collaboration you know can 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 you talk about what kind of what are the building blocks of this, and so that you know some of the listeners that may be interested you know and and the thing is too is like if you make music that want to be put out, look at shared records you know possibly that that may be a, maybe a good collective, but if you are trying to create other avenues of art collectives you know. Can you talk about some of the building blocks that you use for shared records?
2: Yeah. I mean, so like there's a couple elements to this. I mean, first and foremost, like I, the, the role that I view myself in is really as a facilitator. Right. Because I recognize that like on some sense, I don't want to just like be the person to come in and say, this is how we're going to run things. But on on the other side, I also recognize that a lot of people have really busy lives. Right. And with projects like this, they're gonna be, they're gonna fade in and out of people's lives. They're not necessarily gonna be people's like central thing for you know all eternity, right? Other things are gonna take priority sometimes because you know we all live busy, busy lives. So if you're planning on creating something like this, um, then understand that you might find yourself in a role of like having to be a facilitator of like you are kind of just going to have to show up for a meeting or a meeting isn't going to happen. You're just going to have to, like, reach out to somebody or, like, nobody's going to reach out. Um, That's not to say that nobody is, but it is to say that, like, um, if you're, like, people kind of expect a little bit of founder energy. Um, And so, um, so, so that's really, like, a big element to it. Another element to it is, like, cultivating a community and getting people in, like, the same space, finding people who are like-minded to start off with, right. Finding people who sort of like, like the idea of having like, you know, this type of like shared artist space, um, and getting them in the same place and then encouraging them to find other people or to like recommend other people that they think might, you know, be interested in also participating. And so all of those things together, really, um, you know, you kind of just have to have like a bit of facilitation of community. You have to like reach out to people individually, have a conversation about them, about like what your vision is, and then say, now this is my vision. This is where I hope it goes. If you like it, that's great. If you think it needs tweaks, please jump on board because we want this to be a collaborative effort. And then trying to get people together on a regular basis to talk about like the long-term plans for all of these things is just really important Um, so that everybody feels like they're participating in it, that everybody feels like they're actively crafting the organization as well as the art itself. And so, uh, you know, obviously people are going to have varying levels of like participation. Um, but ultimately it's about creating a space where people feel welcome to participate and they feel like they've participated to the amount that they, you know, feel comfortable with. And so, uh, really, really it's, it's, it's mo- mostly about like getting people connected to each other and engaging, but ultimately, you know, you do kind of have to expect to be in like a bit of a facilitator role of like, you know, trying to make sure that things happen so that things can move forward. Um,
0: yeah. And well, and also, you know, I guess like that is, I think it's like excellent information and, 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 you know, like kind of like what you're describing is some of the Um, the mindset that any organizer, you know, uh, needs to kind of come into, and as much as, you know, if you're on the left, you know, collective effort and a true democracy is, is paramount, um, understanding the role of a leader of a facilitator, you know, and not as someone that monopolizes power but as someone, you know, who can get the group going to where the group needs to go, you know, and that's a very different thing, you know, uh, it's, it's a different role. Um, I think, um, but, you know, also too, like, you know, you mentioned like, like Patreon earlier, um, you know, you know, shared records, like utilize YouTube. Um, but like, what are some of the technological as- aspects to it? Um, and in some ways, you know, <laughs> I don't think you know people making uh, uh, online uh, like media, or like pictures or whatever. I don't think NFTs are going to be uh, something they're going to be able to utilize. But um, could you, yeah, even like just talk about some of the some of the more technological and you know um, aspects of it? Of like, what do you use for shared records to actually run? and even still like you talked about creative commons that's a, a very much like a, con- a contractual thing um so if you could you speak about that as well um
2: yeah well let's see like okay starting off like uh, the nuts and bolts like technology stuff uh we use discord to like obviously host the um host the like community rooms and like, and stuff like that to like you know like make music well we we are on like a, a discord call so that we can all see what each other doing well actually making the music obviously there's like a lot of different technology that people could use i think most of the people that are working with shared records um are using like fl studio or they're using like uh adobe audition to like record stuff um then like we share things and like Google drive with each other to so that we can all like listen to each other's like work and, you know, check on it before it all gets like posted up to YouTube and stuff like that. Um, and so there's like a lot of feedback on that, on that end before it eventually like finds its way up onto like YouTube and Patreon. Um, eventually we're going to be on like Spotify, but then like on TikTok and like the Twitter account and stuff like that. Um, So I think those are, like, the main technology components of it, really, is, like, the audio creation software on the side of the artist, the Discord for, like, keeping up with each other, the Google Drive for, like, you know, sharing all of like the records with each other. And then when it comes to creative commons, it's basically just like a little introductory, like creator agreement that basically says, I'm fine with all of this being like creative commons. And, you know, everything that I send to shared records is going to be like, basically treated as creative commons. Um, just make sure that everybody knows what's going on. And then, um, you know, just having like, I guess, different, um, uh, different things along those lines because one thing that we do do is like so if somebody submits a song that has lyrics right but they just want to submit the song as the instrumental track they have owners they could have ownership if they wanted to of the lyrics uh well the music itself could be creative commons so that way like they could like individually profit monetize off of etc the song with the lyrics while the song without the lyrics is still like creative commons like those types of things like um you know um basically just carving out so that people have like i think a clear understanding of all that um and uh, yeah but outside of that i feel like it's a pretty low overhead operation in that regard where like the technology that's needed is fairly limited outside of like the software to like produce the music
0: um yeah uh, and I guess like the last thing I like, am like, yeah curious about too is like can you describe like even like go into de- like, a little bit of detail too is like of uh the geographical spread, if you will, of the like, the people who are involved in like Shed Records and, and and just kind of like and and this is something, like we've hit on with a lot of different artists is what just the internet, you know, more connectivity is allowed for, uh, collaboration across multiple communities.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're kind of all over the place. Like, I honestly don't know where everybody lives. That's not something that I've been like asking people. Um, so it's not really something I've been keeping track of, but I can tell you that we've got people, um, that are like all the way from like New York to like California, Um, some people in the Southeastern states, uh, some people, uh, in like Southern states like Texas. Right. So I think we've got a full spread of the United States. Um, there might be somebody that's in Canada that has done stuff with shared records, but I honestly don't know.
1: (laughs) So, uh, I wanted to ask you even before that, but like, before we get to that, like, I wanted to say, uh if anybody wants to call in, you're uh, welcome. We should, uh, we can open up the calls. Uh, if you have any questions for Ben, if you have questions for us, uh, please, uh, feel free. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, uh, maybe moving slightly, uh, away from just like the technical stuff to talk a little bit more about your aspirations for shared records. Let's say, uh, like getting artists on board and like, uh, just, and, and in this case, like definitely feel free to talk about the nuts and bolts of it, where, uh, how would a co-op, uh, like a, a label that is run like a co-op, um, you know, deal with the concept of, uh, like broader distribution. And, uh, I mean, like my mind goes to spaces such as like, you know, Grammy awards and like, charts and stuff like that and like how would you you know navigate those kinds of spaces where which are almost exclusively taking place in a in a capitalist framework and uh would you have aspirations for shared records that go in that direction or is that like too lofty at this moment
2: yeah I mean like most definitely like that'd be the like that's the dream, right? Like that's the dream. Cause like ultimately the dream is is that the artists that do want to get like really successful and famous off of it do. And then, like, there's no, I guess, requirement that, like, the artists that do anything with shared records actively, like, promote shared records. Um, The hope is that people feel enough of a sense of community, people feel enough belonging that if something were to blow up, if something were to hit the charts, if something were to, you know, like, sort of bring them to, like, larger fame, uh, that they would talk about shared records, that they would talk about, like, how it created an environment that was easy for them to put music out. Um, And like, uh, you know, because like ultimately at this point, like it's a really, really small operation. And it's not like the artists that are involved are, you know, getting any big bucks or anything like that. Um, But the the goal is to get it to a point where any artist that jumps on board, uh, they basically like, within a few months, find themselves, like, an equal participant in this, right? They find themselves as an equal participant in this. And then, when, you know, basically right after they sign up and put some tracks in, um, they'll see, like, a payout from it. Not necessarily from their work, but from, like, the collective work. And hopefully that provides, like, a little bit of a cushion for artists who, um you know, need that cushion to like reach the sort of levels of success that other artists can, because like most artists today have like really rich parents. And so like the, in the ideal world, in the ideal world, the very few who do hit some sort of like meteoric fame, if that happens, um, would basically be like the community equivalent of like having rich parents. Right. This is actually a joke. I say as a veteran, Mm. I, I say that the military was my rich parents, right? The reason why I am where I am today is because, you know, they paid for a decent chunk of my education and now through the disability benefits that I have give me a little bit of a cushion. Um you know, but like you know, with the if somebody gets meteoric rise, like the like it'll still be monetized in the same way as everything else. So everybody will share in that success. And hopefully that basically can serve as the quote-unquote rich parents metaphorically speaking for up-and-coming artists who want to be able to create their own work that's meaningful to them and so yeah I don't know like I guess like we wouldn't like demand that any any artist that blew up through shared records um you know run around doing interviews talking about how great we are but also you know the hope is that the culture sort of speaks for itself and that the, the environment speaks for itself.
1: You know, I think it's beautiful that like you have this system where uh, one artist can actually lift an entire crop and like, essentially you're kind of, every, it's it's like a team, right? Like it's, it's like the NBA or something like that. It's like one person scoring a lot doesn't mean that like, uh, you know, they, they get like an all-star status and stuff like that, but essentially um, you are winning the game for the team. And it's, in, it's it's really, um, I mean, I, I, I'm really surprised that it's novel uh, that uh, a record label is kind of considering itself that way. Uh, but I'm also, like, kind of also interested in the technicalities of what it would actually look like. Where, for example, right now you have, uh, you know, a YouTube channel and uh, you have uh, a Patreon, as you said. Uh, but, like, as far as track considerations for, like, you know, even these things such as... Uh, um, I mean, I guess YouTube plays considered uh, are considered as uh, stream. Like, what do you say, plays and uh, the number of uh, album sales or like record sales and stuff like that? Because you don't even uh, you're not even counted if you are on certain platforms and and whatnot. So I don't I don't really understand the math behind what counts as a as a chart topper uh, or like something that can for example, be considered for a Grammy, like how that process works, et cetera. Uh, So how would shared records like navigate those kinds of like, like the real technical things? Like, are you going to put music out on Spotify, Apple music? How's that going to go? And how is that fitting with the, you know, the concept of uh, a co-op?
2: Yeah. uh, Spotify is probably coming down the pipe, right? (laughs) Like Spotify is going to be like, I would look out for it in like the next like, month or so basically um for like the spotify um uh, but that like that i mean that is the hope like i don't know if we would put any explicit effort into like going out of our way to try and get nominated for like anything um i think it's too early in the game to even really think much about that um just because the focus is like uh, the the focus is really just on sort of like building the sort of foundation, right. And f- building the foundation and like getting music out there um, to the point where hopefully other artists see it and like want to participate so that it can grow even more on the creator side. Um, Cause I think the more it grows on the creator side, the more it will grow on the, on the, you know, audience side, just because, you know, <laughs> like, just because like, uh, I feel like that's how things tend to go, you know? Um, because really the artists are just like the heart of really any like music production company. Um, And so I guess, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the hope. So we, I can't say I've put even really any thought into like, Oh, what if somebody got nominated for an award? Um, I guess my only thought would be like, congratulations. And if you feel like it would be really great if you like mentioned us. Um, But I mean, outside of that, like, uh, that's that's kind of just a good question, that um, I haven't really spent much time thinking out outside of like it would be nice if somebody got like a lot of fame from this and hopefully brought some some good into the world from it because really shared records is to me part of a larger project of hopefully um, getting to a position where we can look towards helping people start off like other cooperative projects, right? Or other projects that are, you know, designed in more of a cooperative or democratic way um, so that more and more parts of the economy can use sort of models like this.
0: Yeah, and I do also want to say, hey, listeners, if you have any questions or anything like that, would you like to know and ask someone who's started an artist collective on how you can do one yourself. um, Absolutely call in, you know, just get into the talk. Uh, (laughs) But um, I think, you you know, as as we do kind of like wrap it up, um, and this is something that I ask a lot of other artists uh, that I think more stake their claim as like solid musicians, you know, just musicians. Um, that, you know, put out music and everything like that. Uh, but, then how do you want people to hear you as, as an artist, as a musician? You know, because you do a lot of other things. But just as far as making music, how do you want listeners to kind of perceive you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a fairly simple person. I'm a fairly <laughs> simple person, and... Like, ultimately, with the music that I put out, with the music that I put out, like, I guess, like, uh, (laughs) I don't know. I guess, like, people seeing me as, like, an artist, uh, I would say just see me as, like, a simple person that likes putting out music that feels good to put out, really, I guess, if that makes sense. And that really, like, my whole vision for like putting out the music that I do is just to have a fun time making the music and hoping that other people enjoy the music. Um, that really I think is that really I think is is just kind of like what I would want people to see me as. It's just I think a simple person that just sort of likes making music.
0: Well. I think that is uh you know, a great encapsulation and that's um something that really too like drives the heart of a cha- a change in culture where people aren't doing things to become famous or make it tons of fucking tons of money, but just doing things because they enjoy doing them. And especially when we talk about things and I think we're you know, when you're talking about like art as really, like painting, drawings, you know, some type of visual art, whether it's music, um, dance, or, you know, and sports and competition, you know, I think that these are things that humans enjoy because we do, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not trying to be some type of like grand thinker or whatever the hell. It's just, these are things that overlap through any and all societies, you know, uh, going going back to you know the documentation of, of of any type of history um and doing it just because we like doing it is a good enough reason to do something as long as you know you're not you know we're talking about art <laughs> so yeah yeah to too, <laughs> yeah, to, uh, yeah too far um, but I think that's a very very I don't know it's it's a good and humble place to to want to create. Um and it's what, you know, actually the capitalist structure fights against. And so um Ben, I want to say thank you for coming on. Um and if you would please let people know where they can find you and all of the ways um and, and support shared records as well as the rest of your efforts.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Um so you can follow me on uh, you can follow me on Twitch, where I'm bleep blomp Ben on Twitch. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's just at Benjamin Crollo. You can also find Shared Records on Patreon, YouTube, and uh, and Twitter as well. And I think all you just need to do is just search Shared Records. We should be the first thing that comes up. Uh, And, uh, yeah, those, I think those are all the the main ones. So like, especially support shared records on Patreon. Like if you want to see this succeed, um, because like, ultimately, like, as we work on like building all the different platforms that we in, uh, I think that's really going to be like the heart of it for probably some time. So, yeah.
0: All right. Oh, Carvey, did you have anything?
1: Yeah, well, thanks Ben for coming on. It's it's really illuminating to uh, actually hear the the makeup of what a what a you know a record label that uh, has anything other than just uh, profit for the few in mind. So uh, you know, thanks for candidly sharing everything. And uh, I mean, like, really good luck with uh, what everything that you're doing with Shared Records and all your other projects, of course, as well. But I'm like really watching for uh, Shared Records to like, I don't know, maybe even uh, become a, a left. Uh, uh, music powerhouse that just like puts out uh new uh hot hot new artist after hot new artist so let's see
2: yeah yeah that's the hope well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it
0: and anytime so we have a uh we're gonna change things up a new iteration so we're gonna be having uh an outro of uh some more ben's music oh, so i want to thank you
1: Oops. Sh- should we uh, announce the next show? Like Because we're going to be coming back on um, on Friday uh, at three 3.30 p.m., not 3 as usual. But like we've got uh, two guests uh, because they do a show together called Left Reckoning. Uh, Matt Leck and Dave Griscom are coming on to talk about revolutionary music, um, music that they think is revolutionary and maybe a history of revolutionary music in the United States. And uh, it should be fun. Um, that you would also have uh, you would also know them from uh, majority report, of course.
0: Yes, yes. and um, we'll probably get get a good Rudy uh, Guthrie talk. I, I, was, I, I probably wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit of that. but um <laughs> uh, yeah, so absolutely Friday three thirty we'll be back with Matt Leck and David Grisham, the host of left Reck- like reckoning, producer of the the majority report. Um, and also too, I'm gonna plug uh, something for Ben. Look out for Ben in the uh, debate sphere uh, coming to your YouTube here coming up. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But on that note, we're going to give you a little bit more of Ben and we will see y'all Friday.